0: Cosmic
1: lovers, welcome back to
0: another episode of
1: The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense.
0: We are the Lewis
1: and Clark of spirituality. The Bonnie and Clyde. The Siegfried and Roy. (laughs) The Tom and Jerry. Uh,
0: Lucy and
1: Ethel? <laughs> we are absolutely <laughs> the Lucy and Ethel of spirituality. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I love that. The Jake and Finn?
0: Oh, the Jake and Finn. Which one am I? I'm, I'm, pro- I'm more Jake. I,
1: I think you're probably more Jake. Yeah. But you're magical.
0: I am. I'm a shapeshifter.
1: Yes, you actually were told you were a shapeshifter in a journey <laughs> a long time ago.
0: Guys, I'm a shapeshifter.
1: And then you never really followed up on it.
0: <laughs> i just say that because uh, in detail
1: i'm no. so jealous i've never been told in a journey that i'm a shapeshifter
0: maybe it scared me a bit
1: well maybe it's time to go back all
0: right i'm ready well, I'm not entirely ready, but, I'll, 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 but I'm glad you're reminding me and I will get ready.
1: Should uh, we introduce yeah. ourselves besides other fictional characters yeah, that exactly. we are pretending to be? Totally. Who are you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher. I'm an astrologer and a writer um, and just uh, a mystic in this wild, wild world. And who are you, Boo?
0: I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer. I'm a producer. I am an astrologer. I am a
1: queeler. Yes, queeler. I really want to make queeler t-shirts so badly.
0: Well, I'm sure we can.
1: Yeah, we should talk to the Classroom of Compassion boys because they're t-shirt masters.
0: Yeah. What's it going to say? Just I'm a queeler?
1: I think it should just say queeler. But have we decided how to spell
0: it? I feel like I sometimes say queerler and then I'm like queeler and then queeler. No, like,
1: it's not queerler.
0: And here I was the one who coined it.
1: It's queeler. It's just—is it Q U E E or Q U E A? Let us know.
0: We're gonna put. A, I'm gonna put a poll on the Instagram.
1: Yeah, please help us spell Queeler.
0: Okay, we're on. We're on
1: path. <laughs> what? We fell off into the bramble.
0: <laughs> we're back on path now.
1: Like Countess Luanne de Lesseps um, when she fell into the bush, tripping into a bush before she got sober, and then uh, and then got unsober. Yeah, I
0: was gonna say, did she?
1: But... You no, know, there was a period of time.
0: Look, everyone has their own path.
1: Yes. And we're actually going to talk about that path today as we deep dive into the spirituality of addiction. I mean, why not? Why not? It's cancer season. (laughs) Heavy water season is a good time to talk about addiction. Yeah.
0: But we, of course, we'll say it now and we'll say it again later. We are not addiction experts.
1: No, we don't run a recovery program. No. We don't have master's degrees in psychology.
0: And I guess we should even on some level say that if the theme of addiction triggers you in any way, we're putting you on alert now. Yeah,
1: but stick around for, you know, our check-in and the cosmic update, and then you can decide whether or not you want to take the journey down the down the road to liberation. Yeah. Because I think, you know, addiction in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about this later, is in some ways an invitation into liberation. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna to try to talk about the, the light and the love that can come out of facing an addiction and not get too heavy, or punitive or shameful or you know.
0: Yeah, and we've been addicted to all kinds of things, so honey. We're, we're gonna th- talk about
1: it. All of them. Absolutely, <laughs> we're gonna talk about it in our true Lucy and Ethel style. Oh yes,
0: but, but first, uh, why don't we just do a little checkity check?
1: Oh my thing. gosh, a check-in.
0: Yeah, how are you uh, handling? yourself
1: these days oh man how in your own words I don't know please. you tell me how am I handling myself these days I think
0: you're handling yourself very well
1: okay well you I really appreciate are. that reflection except for
0: that one time I found you on the floor kicking and screaming but I peeled you up <laughs> which time gave you a lollipop
1: you didn't you give fine. me you didn't give me a lollipop now what about your ice cream you did buy me ice cream speaking of addiction <laughs> I'd been doing so well. Oh, well um how am I doing all things considered, I think I am doing pretty well. You know, this year for me is personally a hanged man year, which is just all about spiritual surrender and nothing like a global pandemic to teach you the art of spiritual surrender. So really learning how to go slowly and take things truly like one day at a time. It's interesting though, because I'm, I'm still very busy, lots of, Um, clients and readings and healings which actually are even more nourishing than they've ever been to connect with people and to help hold their life um, you know in a spiritual container and empower and heal but I'm still figuring out the work-life balance and really interesting just to continue to observe the The productivity monster that lives in me that really struggles to just be and enjoy. And even in terms of my own spiritual practice, how that productivity monster sneaks in there and is like, seek harder, transform faster. Like, what do you have to show for all of this work? And it's just a really interesting thing to notice, and I'm grateful to notice it because... And I wrote a little piece about it. You know, to me, spirituality is the antidote to ambition in a lot of ways. Like in a world that teaches us your only value is what you produce, spirituality kind of comes in to go, like, no, your value is just in your beingness, you know? And it's a daily practice for me to continue to just allow my beingness and that I don't have to post something brilliant. And I don't have to plan for the future. And I can just be present with the olive tree and the wind and read a book or cuddle with Noche, And I'm definitely touching those moments. Like I'm definitely having moments of gratitude and presence that are so nourishing and joyful. Like even last night, like before we went to bed and it was just like you and me and the dog and we just kind of like acknowledged that we were all together and we were all healthy and we're all well and that we have everything we need and I'm like yeah like this is this is abundance you know so just observing how I can get all swirled up And all of my ambition and seeking and doing and busyness and planning and a lot of my Capricorn moon stuff actually takes me away from the abundance that's inherent in my life. So I'm really grateful for these lessons, honestly. And I think the hanged man is one of the softest essences in the tarot. Like you can't surrender to spirit and be hard and be rigid And so I am and you can't force a softening. So I am trying to allow a softening. And it's a little raw and it's a little scary, but it's also really sweet. And it and you can't soften without trust. And so I'm I'm learning in whom and what and how to up my trust game these check-ins are so helpful because it's like where else do you get the opportunity to really crystallize your thoughts around what your life has been you know totally especially because it's like survival mode you know we're like wash the groceries walk the dog make sure there's dinner yeah don't catch the COVID. you know so it's nice to have a moment to kind of like sit down and be like okay what has actually been going on on a deeper level
0: yeah and for all you out there hopefully it's like a you know inspiring moment to check in with yourself in some way right like i feel like that is something that well journaling obviously is good for but beyond that yeah we have like such a great opportunity here to be able to do this so
1: yeah well so your turn what's happening uh what's happening
0: uh well he's on an emotional roller coaster oh is she a lot of up and down. Oh yeah. Yeah I'm definitely I mean I'm a cancer moon so cancer season on some level feels like coming home uh, but home has a lot of emotions. It's a big mansion with many rooms and each room is a different emotion.
1: Secret passageways and trap doors.
0: Exactly. So some days I'm standing in the Library of shame. (laughs) Step onto a rug and suddenly I'm falling down into the kitchen of joy. Oh,
1: the kitchen of joy. Yes. That sounds good.
0: Seeing a door running through it out into the backyard of despair. Oh, no. (laughs) So it just depends, you know. But yeah, I'm definitely... um, Yeah, definitely just moving through a lot of emotional stuff. I... Uh, we're recording this on July 5th, so this is, uh, we're, we're, you know, a good 10 hours now, or eight, nine hours outside of the full moon, the exact full moon, but we're still in it. Um,
1: but we're but at sh- least on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, but now the moon's moving over all of those, over Jupiter and Pluto and Saturn, so we're definitely still feeling, like, the energy of everything we've been going through, the, the Capricorn-ness of it all, and... Um, But all that to say, like honestly, like I've, you know, this this full moon brought up a lot of sadness for me. You know, I'm I've just been really sad for this country, to be honest. For my American people out there, and for those of you non-Americans, you could probably, you know, you have a gorgeous window looking in on the insanity that is America right now. Um, and I'm just sad. I'm just sad that we have such a terrible leader. And I will say that again, all in caps, for those of you who disagree with me. He is a terrible leader. And he is dividing our country and using his words um, to pit people against each other.
1: Yeah, to sow seeds of hate.
0: Yeah, I just find it really disturbing and sad. You know, obviously just being in the thick of like the biological pandemic we're dealing with the social racial pandemic that we're well really just finally all waking up to or at Mm -hmm. least having to notice in a more real way um you know like on some level it makes me even more proud to be this queer Latinx man queeler <laughs> queeler who is just out here like speaking truth and really like stepping into my purpose in a way that I never have before but it's exhausting mm-hmm uh, so so yeah and just I think uh, it being around like the holiday of this let's celebrate the freedom of this country yet so many people don't have full freedoms it yeah it just disturbs me and upsets me so (laughs) there's that as well as just like you know some personal stuff you know my dad's been pretty ill and so i've been moving through that but we were able to see them yesterday we had a nice little social distance backyard moment with my family and i that was really lovely and sweet and he was in such good spirits and seemed well so that was a nice reprieve from a lot of the um just challenge he's been going through over the last month or so so um so that was like a nice bright spot in it and Hmm. even yeah like you said that moment we had of just all being together um I am reminded by all the abundance I have. There's a lot of abundance in my career world right now that I'm just enjoying. And I fucking love the spiritual gaze community, the gazers, and communing with them all. We had an amazing breathwork session yesterday, and I just feel all the energy of everyone. You know, we're sitting together in those Zooms and like just being vulnerable as fuck with each other. Like that's the world I want to live in right now. I want to live in a world with a bunch of like vulnerable, honest people who are all doing the work to better themselves so that they can better the world that they live in. So I'm grateful that we have a space where we get to come together with those people, you all who are listening, um, and really help me see that uh, there is true connection available. So she's a roller coaster.
1: Yeah, this is a chaos time. Yeah, it's a chaos time, and I think the best thing we can do is to stay in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. and not get swirled up in those because that's what our leader, I, I can't even call him a leader because there's no leadership to be found.
0: I know. I mean, I say that in with quotations. Yeah,
1: but he's a chaos monster. I think he is trying to create chaos and in some ways chaos protects him and creates a buffer Yeah, because if people are running around covering their own asses, that gives, yeah. So, you know, what do you do in a chaotic time? You, you stay close to home and you work even harder on your grounding and make sure that you recognize everybody else. Like there's just a chaos energy, you know, and that's not going anywhere anytime soon
0: no and it's hard to balance it because yeah you need to be at home you need to kind of take care of yourself but at the same time we have to like be out in the world and like forcing change so it's total balance right yeah it's like how do you make sure that you're constantly making the time to take care of yourself and like refill the well but anyhow so those are the the check-ins
1: those are our bloated check-ins yeah Thanks What's for listening. Yours? <laughs> What's yours, Noche? What's your check-in? His check-in would be like, "These motherfuckers haven't gotten me a haircut since February. It is summertime, and I am hot." But we're working on it. He's well-fed, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're gonna cut off all that. We hair all have, and be like, oh, oh, yeah. That wasn't all him. We've all put put on a few during this quarantine. How dare you? I'm not. Well. I have. <laughs> <laughs> no JS. So what are you gonna do? All right. Should we uh should we transition? Yes. We all right, you guys. We wanted to on. give y'all a little uh tour of the cosmos because you know it's 2020 and there's just so much going on at all times. So here's this episode's cosmic, cosmic update. update. This just in. You're like the cosmic weatherman. If the spiritual gaze ever becomes a TV show, you would like stand in front of one of those green screens and there would be like photos of like Saturn and Jupiter and like, Oh my God, I would love that. Wouldn't that that. be amazing? That's like a fantasy. I know. Angel Lopez, the cosmic weatherman. If
0: anyone's out there I'm producing television, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, aren't you producing Produ- television? I am, but I'm not going to produce myself as the astro, the cosmic weatherman. Oh
1: my gosh, you're the next um, what was his name? Walter Mercado. Yes, you're the next oh Walter God. Mercado.
0: I know there's a documentary coming on to Netflix this week. I think it'll be out when this comes out. Mucho, mucho more. I haven't seen it yet. It was at. Sundance when I was there but I didn't get a chance to see it so.
1: wouldn't it be so fun to have like a spiritual gaze zoom party with any of the gazers that watch that documentary it'd be like a book club but it's like a oh documentary club and we all just like talk about that documentary totally maybe we'll do that
0: yeah well we should watch it first and make sure it's good I but I've heard good things okay so but regardless just to like if you don't know who Walter Mercado is you should watch it regardless so you can see him and learn about him but he was like this really famous Puerto Rican astrologer and was on television every day and my grandma used to hit me with her cane to get out of the way when he would come on, because I sat incredibly close to the television all the time. No one stopped me, and now I'm blind. Anyhow. <laughs> and he was also like
1: very flamboyant, oh right? My God. Oh yeah. He was like He was the like the liberace, liberace of Puerto Rico. Totally. It would
0: come out in these like lavish like capes fur lined and had wigs and makeup and yeah, was a total diva. So
1: what sign was she?
0: I really learned so much there. That's a good question. Was he a Pisces?
1: That would make sense. I'm
0: literally Googling this. And with the magic of editing, you won't have to wait as long. Oh, yeah, Pisces. Oh. Oh, wow. He's from Ponce. All right. Uh, we move on with life in the cosmic update. <laughs> well, you know, I mentioned that we just are coming out of this full moon uh, portal. Uh, so let's leave her in the, in the distance, shall we? Um, Bye. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> yes. for
1: everything. He is See is in 19 years. No
0: longer in our sphere. Thank you. But it is a two week window. So I guess I should, I can't get away from it. Uh, yes, we did just have this full moon in Capricorn, which was uh, the last eclipse of this season. So it's a big releasing energy. And, you know, we're kind of in the two week window of it releasing. So just kind of expect, you know, between now really and the rest of cancer season to kind of be, you know, letting go. I really think of a lot of the things that have been holding us back, getting in our way, I want to say, of just being able to like see clearly the new structures that we want to be putting into place and like how we're going to do it. You know, because if you think about that this moon then did activate Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, it's like, let's make a plan. Let's, you know, like, like, what's the strategy now for moving forward? And I think that's kind of the next phase that we start to get into. And what's helpful with that is we're going to have mercury moving direct and that will happen on july 12th uh, and it's going to be at five degrees cancer so we do have to then you know traverse the whole sphere of cancer again and when mercury does run through cancer it is very emotional our thoughts our ideas everything is pretty emotion oriented And they shift when the moon changes. So every two and a half-ish days, two to three days, uh, the moon changes sign and our emotions change along with them. So I think it's really important for everyone to do what they can to pay attention to where the moon is and really how you can utilize that. So take, for example, when the moon goes into Aries, uh, you may have a tendency to, you know, veer towards anger more easily, you know, like the temper could show, but there's also opportunity there to really tap into your reservoir of passion and creativity and enthusiasm, uh, around things in your life. So, you know, it's, finding ways to see what's available and then how do, how do you go and focus that in some way in your life? So just something to be really paying attention to uh, now that we're going to be in a direct form of Mercury. Uh, And on that day, actually, the sun in Cancer is going to be trining Neptune So that's a really great energy just around spirituality as well, how to connect to, like, your deepest spiritual core. So I would even, like, sort of do some positive mental reinforcement around, like, I'm going to utilize this next Mercury and Cancer season, the rest of this Mercury and Cancer season, Um, you know, With my soul's path in mind, how can I best use my mental energy, my mental focus to really tap into my soul's path? And like, what am I here to achieve? What am I here to do? Uh, So just trying to use it as best as you can. Uh, Then I'd say the other really big thing to be paying attention to is that Mars has moved into Aries, which is where we'll be for the next six months. Through the end of the year and into the beginning of January. And, you know, Aries is Mars' home, and uh, the way I was talking about the moon and Cancer earlier. So, you know, when Mars gets there, there is some level of all these things I was just talking about enthusiasm, excitement, uh, creativity, passion. Uh, But there can be a lot of push, push, push. You know, there's an impulsiveness to a Mars in Aries energy.
1: Um, I know it well.
0: (laughs) Yes. But there is also just like an availability of energy, right? Like with a Mars in Aries, I feel like, you know, it offers you just this like endless amount of you know, well, energy to to do, to get a lot of things done. Right. Like it's a very productive space to be in. So I do think like there is a lot of productivity available to us. You know, there's a lot of like new beginnings.
1: Oh, maybe my Mars and Aries placement is why I feel the need to be so productive all the time.
0: Probably. Yeah. Cause it's just like, let's do, let's do, let's do.
1: Yeah. And it like starts doing something before like my mind even catches up to it. Like I like come to, and I'm like in the middle of doing something. And I'm like, how did I even start this?
0: Well, yeah. And then you don't finish it probably.
1: No. Cause I'm like, fuck this. and <laughs> so
0: you're like, now I got something more exciting to do. Sometimes. <laughs> so I think it's going to be interesting to see a lot of like, you know, new innovative ways of doing things. And if you think about it, that's where we have been in some level, we've all been kind of in this like slow like process of trying to figure out okay how do we really move forward so i do think between now and september we're going to see actual real plans to move forward coming into play in a way that we hadn't like we'll actually be able to like move forward in in real ways um unfortunately then we're going to retrograde you know like through half of September, October, and into the start of November. Um, So then we're going to slow back down. We're going to have to slow it down and realize where the, the cracks are in the plans, you know, realized where the impulsiveness got the best of us, and you'll have to make some adjustments to it or... Or double back and be like, oh, wait, this path was not exactly thought out, as well thought out as we thought. Let's go back, figure it out, and then in November we can start again. You know, so there's definitely, it's a really good new beginning energy, but it's important to know that we're going to have this retrograde in the, in the center of it that is going to challenge it and slow it down. And because there is a lot of aggression in it, and not everyone understands astrology, so everyone's going to just start to get angry about, wait, hey, why didn't this work, and why do we have to do this again, and why, why, why? And there's going to be a lot of that frustration. So it's going to be a really, really uh, fiery election season. We all know that, um, but uh, but we're going to have that right in the right toward the the end of the retrograde. So. It's a good thing to start planning for now and knowing that if you know astrology, that anything between the degrees of 15 and 28 Aries are going to get triggered by this and are going to be up for review. How am I doing in, far, as, in terms of action around these things? So if you have planets in that area and really anything between 15 and 28 degrees anywhere in your chart, um, you're going to get activated in some way, you know, or... Libras and Cancers and Capricorns are going to feel it in a pretty intense way. Uh, our Leos and Sages are going to feel it in, in a certain way. So, um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of energy there.
1: Sounds like a party. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a real good time. She's a cosmic party. The hits just keep coming.
0: They do, 2020.
1: Yeah. Never forget. I can't wait for the box set collection to come out.
0: Oh my gosh. All righty.
1: Well, thank you, honey, for helping us work with those energies so they don't work us over any more than they already have been.
0: Thank you.
1: All right, kids. Get suited up. Scuba suit, space suit, interdimensional goggles, however you like to travel. A naughty time... negligee. A naughty negligee? That's what I'm putting on right now. That's how you travel in a naughty negligee?
0: Mm-hmm. I like to feel the wind.
1: Wow. My body. wow. She's an exhibitionist, everybody. She's a Taurus rising. It's time for this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. Dive.
0: In a naughty Dive.
1: So as we teed up earlier, we want to spend the next uh, part of the show just chatting about the spiritual nature of addiction. And again, we are not experts on addiction, but we certainly have our own personal experiences with addiction. And we thought that we would start there. And my own journey through recovery has been quite spiritual and frankly, shamanic in nature. And I thought that I might spend a little bit of time just talking about my discoveries and some of the teachings that have been given to me by the spirits about the spiritual nature of addiction. But this is not to say that this is, you know, true for everybody and that we've cracked the code on addiction. It's a very complex subject. And I even think that the science of addiction and the psychological studies of addiction still are unearthing and discovering what the true nature of addiction is so this is not like a we've got the answers episode it's more like uh we've got some questions we've got some insights and we've got some experiences episode
0: yeah it, it was spawned out of us watching rupaul's drag race and mayhem miller as most things do i know right uh mayhem miller uh was in conversation with juju and uh, I can't remember. There was somebody else involved. But Jujubee was really the Blair one. Sinclair, right? Blair Sinclair. Who's also in recovery. Yeah. So they were talking about how um, being in recovery and, and how being in the competition was affecting that. And Jujubee was saying that it has really challenged them on some level to, you know, at times they've wanted to to drink and what have you. And uh, Mayhem Miller uh, just like beautifully revealed like that, he, you know, that that he has had some challenges with it and and really um, questioned uh, whether he should be in sobriety or not.
1: Yeah, because he had had a really serious drug problem and mm-hmm. stopped using drugs but was still drinking.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what, what it really was was just revealing on how the this topic doesn't get discussed that often. Um, you know, or it, it, the, the space isn't always made for it.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually flashing back to a spirit talk. We had many, many, many moons ago with Tracy McMillan. Luminous. If you've never listened to that spirit talk, y'all, you should. And she said, there isn't anybody alive that doesn't have some journey around sex, drugs, alcohol, shopping, food. You know what I mean? Like everybody's got something you know, so some people's addictions are a lot more glaring and a lot more, um, outwardly dangerous, you know, so they get more attention and other people's addictions are more insidious and subtle. And frankly, I think my addiction was, was of that variety. It was more Mm -hmm. insidious and subtle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause a weed addiction, you know, like your life slowly atrophies from the inside out. It's not like a Coke addiction or even a gambling addiction where you destroy your life through the process of it, you know?
0: Well, and especially because, I guess, similarly to alcohol in some ways, uh, it can be seen as, like, a casual pastime. So it's easier to engage with, right? Like, on a mental level where it's like, you know, well, this isn't a problem.
1: Um, Because it's so socially acceptable.
0: Yeah, so socially acceptable. And it isn't a problem for, you know, friend one, friend two so it's not a problem for me.
1: I also think it speaks to the larger issue, which is just like the normalization of addiction, particularly in America. Like capitalism and consumerism want you addicted, like they love your shopping addiction, like they love your alcoholism, like they love all of that stuff Mm -hmm. because it keeps you engaged in the system. So in some ways, you know, it's quite countercultural to kind of wake up and go like, oh, this is a problem, you know? Right. For me, when I was kind of meditating on how to approach this subject and and bring it to the podcast, the first places I went were astrology and tarot, because where else do I go? And I just thought about mm. Neptune,
0: yeah,
1: and I thought about the devil card, because mm. these are two essences that kind of speak to how addiction shows up in our lives. Um, so I'll talk about the devil card, and then I thought maybe you could talk about Neptune a little bit, just to give a sense of how addiction is addressed in these sorts of spiritual realms. For sure. So the devil card shows up in the tarot, uh, as an invitation to observe where we are willfully imprisoned. So the devil card itself looks like, you know, you've got like your traditional, like devil looking figure with like the cloven feet. And he's got these two sex slaves that are humans and well, maybe they're not sex slaves, but they're enchained. They've got these collars around their necks and they're chained to the devil, but the collars are actually like pretty big. Like they could get out of them if they wanted to. But they choose to stay enslaved. And I'm not saying that like people choose to stay addicted because, of course, addiction has its own incredible power and a lot of people succumb to it. But there is a sense in the devil card that those impulses that we refuse to look at will destroy us will undo us and the devil card speaks to addiction but also just any darkness inside of ourself that is unresolved that is not faced will eventually have power over us as opposed to taking the initiative and being honest with yourself and taking power over your shadow And what's interesting about the devil, too, is that he sits at a place in the tarot that is kind of the threshold to enlightenment, liberation, and cosmic mystery and healing. Like every card that comes after the devil, the tower, the star, the moon, the sun— Judgment, The World, like these are cards that are incredibly rewarding and deeply transformational. The Tower especially is all about enlightenment and liberation. And it's like, you can't get to enlightenment and liberation. And then right after The Tower of the Star, you can't get to healing and cosmic knowledge until you really sit down and face your addiction, face where you're choosing to stay imprisoned. And for me, my own personal experience, addiction feels like prison it feels like jail it feels like being trapped because you are essentially at the beck and call to your obsession with whatever the substance or the thing is and that's the devil the devil isn't outside of you the devil's inside of you and i think it was a great trick of and i mean trick uh of you know patriarchal religion to make the devil this outside figure like evil's outside of us because it prevents us from actually looking at the real source of evil, which is ourself, which is our own jealousy, our own envy, our own wounding, our own unresolved issues that then get twisted and distorted and expressed as evil actions in the world. So the devil's within us. When it comes to addiction, the calls come in from inside the house. um, And it is a, It is a choice that doesn't make it easy you know sometimes it's it feels easier to just stay chained to that thing you know right the devil you know as opposed to the devil you don't but it really does come down to sovereignty which means that like you have power over yourself at all times in the present moment even if it feels like you don't and there's also support because the devil is an angel like the devil is is just another angel but the way that we vilified Lucifer, the light bringer, the way that we have tried to scapegoat, interesting that the devil's also a goat figure usually, right, Capricorn-esque, is how we try to separate ourselves from our own inherent, you know, tendencies towards violence and destruction. And where we don't acknowledge them, we sometimes turn them inwards on ourselves. But when the devil shows up in a reading, it doesn't, like, mean, like, you're addicted. Sometimes it means, like, have more fun, Like, get more involved in physical pleasures. Like, there's a right relationship with all things. The nature of addiction, however, is that sometimes the only way to be in right relationship with a certain substance or a certain thing is just to abstain entirely. Um, Like, for me, I know that with pot, at this point, the only way I have control over pot is to literally just not smoke it. Like, even I remember Angel bought me a book many years ago when I was a dirty, dirty cigarette smoker, and... And it worked. Reading this book helped me quit. I'd been smoking cigarettes for 10 years, and now I haven't smoked a cigarette in, geez, like seven years. Um, but there was a chapter called There's No Such Thing as Just One Cigarette. And that chapter really blew my mind, because it's true. For Now, we have some friends, actually, that can have just one cigarette, and I have no idea how they do it. It's pretty incredible. But for me, like you know, the cigarette was not the end of a cycle. It was the start of the next cycle because getting that nicotine into my system all of a sudden created another loop that I would have to close with another cigarette, right. which would then open the loop again.
0: Well, and that's where chemistry and psychology do come into play, right? Like there are certain things where some people can't just have one of them and move on, you know? Yeah. So that's just, Yeah. Your of course. Specific relationship with it then shows up, right?
1: Well, and that's why addiction's so complicated, right? Because there's also like lineage issues too, you know, like there's you know, histories of alcoholism or drug use or, you know, sex addiction or, you know, that run in families as well. But I think awareness is everything, you know? Like if you know you come from like a long line of alcoholics, then you're probably best just staying the fuck away from it because you know that there's just something in you that Yeah, it's just prone to kind of getting wrapped up in the spirit of alcohol. And so, actually, if I can just segue, since I'm already talking, and just say that one of the realizations or teachings that have come to me in some of my journey work around addiction is just that on a spiritual level, or I should just say from a shamanic perspective, addiction shows up when we're not power filled. And power comes from spirit, it comes from the divine. And so a lot of times one way of looking at addiction is we surrender our connection to great spirit to have a personal relationship with a, with a lesser deity, essentially. Um, and the spirit of rage, sex, weed, whatever it is, basically becomes your lord and your master. And it's not to say that The only solution to recovery is spirituality, but I think it's interesting that, like, the 12-step program is based on having a higher power because I think addiction shows up in the hole that's created by not having a bigger spiritual source to plug yourself into. And so you plug yourself into that little thing that makes you feel better. So, like, I would plug myself into that joint at the end of the day, you know, because it would make me feel better because I wasn't as plugged into a larger source, to a larger sense of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so that's what addiction does, right? It, like it scratches that itch, whatever that thing is that makes you feel okay, that makes you feel good, but then you become dependent on it. And it starts to, it rules you, it ruled me, you know, like my life was built around when I was going to smoke pot next. Mm-hmm. And so I that, think
0: that that's really like the perfect segue into Neptune and how Neptune is related to addiction uh, because... Neptune is that planet that rules spirituality. Um, it is God, and however you want to view that idea.
1: The goddess, the goddess, God. yes. the universe, the compassionate cosmos.
0: Mm-hmm. Beyonce. <laughs> Cher. Uh, but, uh, but, and I was recently listening to um, the lovely and Orderly, and I love how she framed it in that, you know, if you think about uh, Neptune being your your path to God or your relationship with God, then the house that it sits in is how you're trying to reach God. Hmm. So it can even be like a look into where like an addictive tendency can show up. You know, if you have the if you have Neptune in the sixth house, then, you know, there might be a tendency toward like an addiction to around work, you know, an addiction around fitness, around eating, you know, or like controlling your eating. Um, whereas like uh Neptune in the 12th could be, you know, I'm addicted to heroin, you know, it, it just really depends on how it can show. Or just like escaping uh, completely. Exactly. Cause that's the 12th house. Mm-hmm. So, uh, So I thought that's an interesting way in. And I looked at that for myself because I have Neptune in the seventh. And I was very early on, like, addicted to my relationships. I was addicted to the idea of needing to be in one, needing, like, trying to find one. But I was, like, really addicted to, like, people in a certain way. Like, I have, I have, like, very clear, you know, particularly, I mean, they were men, particularly men in my young life that I just became addicted to. And um, even if I didn't have a romantic relationship with them, in my head, it was, like, the pursuit of a romantic relationship with this person.
1: Right, which is an addiction in and of itself. Oh, yeah. And it was very addictive. Like,
0: I was, like... Thinking about these people constantly, like wondering when it was going to happen, how. And I was like, I mean, these people were my friends. Like I was making these people my friends. And I really had to like finally in like my mid-20s, like wake up to like what I was doing and how I was destroying these really good relationships. um, Because I was trying to turn them into something that they weren't supposed to be. But that's just one of many (laughs) addictions that I've dealt with in some way in my life.
1: Yeah. But addiction also is like a really convenient distractor from like the truth of your life, right? Like addiction distracts us from like what we're really here to do. And so we can like love our addictions, you know, like uh, there was a period of time where like I really like before I felt completely powerless and imprisoned by it, like where I like really loved you know, the glamour of smoking pot and, like, how much I was doing it and just, like, really owning it, Lisa Rinna style, you know, like, we can become very identified with these addictions, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, in some way, protects us or keeps us safe from really focusing on, on the uncomfortable stuff, you know? Like, why we're using in the first place what we're trying to avoid, like, that wounding.
0: Yeah, but... And I also think we feel a lot of shame Mm -hmm. so we perpetuate our addictions because we're really addicted to the shame Mm -hmm. and we need these things to show up and stay constant in our life so that we can continue to have that coming down process where we feel bad Mm -hmm. like like we get addicted to these things because they allow us to stay in that comfortable place of like Feeling bad about ourselves.
1: Oh, that's really interesting, Angel. Cause it's kind of both ways too. Like right. Like there's so much shame. There's so much unacknowledged, just like pain and feeling shitty that we reach out to substances to take that away for a moment. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this like momentum of what you're saying, like of also like feeling bad. Like we're just like used to feeling badly, because that's how we've been made to feel. And so we reach out to things that just continue to perpetuate that cycle
0: yeah um yeah i mean honestly like i'm thinking about really an addiction that i dealt with and have not talked a lot about but i for a good period of time had like a real porn addiction you did yeah i didn't know that i know because i had a lot of shame around
1: it oh my gosh This is like an after-school special episode. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah. And I was honestly like still in it when we started our relationship and was seeing a therapist and kind of brought it up there where I was like, I need to heal this because I don't want to like have a like I actually want to be in relationship with this person and I need to fix this. And I know that it's something that particularly a lot of gay men have experienced. I've talked to a few of my gay friends about it, some who were like, that's not an addiction, honey, that's normal. And then like some people were like, oh, yeah, I have a group you could join if you want. (laughs) So it just kind of like ran the gamut of it. But I did get to a place where, yeah, I would like – Watch it to the point where I would, like, almost, like, sometimes where, like, I realized it was a problem because I got to a point with it where I would, like, be watching enough and I wasn't even, like, using it for pleasure. Like, I'd be watching it until I felt, like, the shame show up. Mm. And then I'd be done. And I would just kind of sit in, like, my pain and my sadness around that experience <laughs> as a you know like which then you have to think about like how much like it's really shame around my gayness and sexuality right because mm-hmm. I'm like oh I feel so ashamed for for you know like there's a deeper element there of like what I'm watching so that I'm not that I'm not consciously aware of but that's obviously a part of it Right. So yeah, having like, thankfully had a great, uh, therapist and a really great friend who was an amazing support system through my, through it for me, like I was able to really talk about it. And so I'm sorry, I'm bringing it up to you for the first time on this podcast. That's
1: fine. Um, I'm used to this podcast being, (laughs) (laughs) being a place where I find things out (laughs) about you for the very first time. (laughs) But uh, honestly,
0: it just really came to me. It wasn't until we were literally in the middle of already recording this that I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, that was an addiction of mine, and I should talk about it.
1: So what did your therapist, who was so amazing, help you to do to kind of gain power over this addiction?
0: Well, we really got into discussion around, like, my relationship to being gay, Mm -hmm. you know, and... I had to reread the velvet rage and, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was a lot of, which if you haven't read, is a fantastic book that really talks about gay shame. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it really became about working through my own shame around just like my sexuality and things I hadn't really tapped into. And even now, which we didn't actually connect the dots to, but even thinking on like how I was having these, sort of addictions to these men who didn't want me, Mm -hmm. like, then I would just feel bad for not being loved back in the way I wanted. So it was like I was going after people who would continue, continue to perpetuate the shame around me wanting to be with another man.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing about addiction is that people feel so much shame around the addiction, which is maybe even propelled by shame. And so, I mean, that's part of what makes, you know, like, the 12-step recovery program so impactful is that you go and you share and like you hear other people's stories and you share your story and you don't feel alone in the thing that you're fighting because like let's face it like addiction is rampant and yeah. yet we're all kind of keeping it to ourselves but as soon as you bring it out into the light it becomes easier to address
0: yeah and i think it's important to just kind of draw it back to what we were talking about which is i was just looking at On some level, to feel a sense of bliss, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. To feel a sense of like peace and like clarity
1: and connection to something larger than yourself. Yeah. Which is Neptune. Exactly. So Neptune's like low vibe addiction, drugs, you know, drinking, sex, being enslaved by whatever that thing is.
0: Yeah, to a point of, like, un- total unconscious right. well, connection that's, to
1: it. Right, but that's also, like, why, like, we get, like, when you get drunk, you get, like, stoned, you, like, blacked out, like, let's get blasted, yeah. let's get trashed. Like, you're what you're trashing, what you're blasting is the ego. There's well, yeah. this sense that, like, you want to get outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because when we were kind of preparing for this podcast, I was reading this really amazing book called Firebird by Mark Doty. It's a memoir about a a gay man growing up Mm -hmm. Um, and he struggled with addiction. I just want to read this quote if I can because he said, um, getting stoned meant that the confines of awareness, here I am in the pressure chamber of my own body, seemed to loosen and much of what it meant to be me in the tired structures of my own head seemed to fall away. Something used to grip my temples, squeezing the sides of my skull, a pressure that had become so much a part of daily life that I didn't even notice it was there until grass or acid gently took the vice grip away, laid it to rest in a grassy field someplace. And then he goes on to say that, you know, every time you get drunk or stoned, reaching for a way out of the trap of the self through those magical agencies, you are in fact a little more yourself. But then he also goes on to say that, like, but then when you come back, you're even more stuck, you're even more limited, with fewer resources to climb out of the pit you sought to escape in the first place. And I think that's what you're talking about. And for me, too, like, I've always been like a spiritual seeker, I've always wanted to have an experience larger than myself. And I say kind of pithily that, like, I've kind of moved from joints to journeys in the Mm -hmm, sense that, like the same urge in me that wants to journey and have spiritual practice and have these adventures with spirit was the same urge that initially was using drugs because it felt like it was removing the veil. It was taking me somewhere magical. And in some ways it it can, but if you're always dependent on that thing to take you somewhere, then you're then you're kind of imprisoned to it.
0: Well, yeah, and that's where people can even then become addicted to their spiritual practice, right? Yeah. Like, then you're like it can on some level become like a tool to help you hide from the world. Right. And disengage from quote unquote reality. Right. Which we talked a little bit on in our race and privilege episode, the like spiritual bypass of like, you know, I'm just going to sit here in like the light of my spiritual self and let the war happen around me when it's like, well, actually like, it's a war for the world you live in. So you do have to engage with it. You can't just like, let everyone die and then walk outside and be like, oh, what a gorgeous world I got to inherit.
1: (laughs) Totally. But what I think is interesting, and one of my teachers, David Elliott, kind of talks about one way to view addiction is that it's kind of the byproduct of what happens when you repress that creative urge. Mm -hmm. So like that thing in you, in your spirit, in your soul that wants to paint or dance or journey, You know, that thing that wants to essentially, like, enchant yourself with a mythopoetic quality of your life when it's not expressed, kind of turns inwards. It's that magic turning inwards against yourself that then becomes addiction, becomes the substance, becomes the shopping, the fucking, the whatever it is. But interestingly, that it's all the same thing, really. And that goes back to the devil card. Like, it's the energy of cosmic mystery... But if you're not ready to really take responsibility for it, it will turn inward and imprison you as opposed to your taking responsibility for that urge and proactively using it to express, to write, to create, to dance, to put yourself out there. I know for me, you know, I used pot to to numb that urge because I felt like there was so much creativity in me. And I couldn't express it. And I wasn't given permission to express it, you know, because it was acting. And as an actor, you sometimes need someone to do it for you, you know. And and I don't think it's a coincidence that the few times in my life where I did get sober before I fully came into recovery was when Brandonna Summer came out. Because yeah. I was using all of that creativity that I wasn't kind of numbing by smoking and channeling it into this mythopoetic experience of my life, which is, you know, Brandonna Summer and her and her wildlife.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've found for myself, even just in the last, I guess, six months or so since I've well, I, I mean, I I guess for me, I'm not I haven't, I don't have like an official path of sobriety. I I'm really just a Mars and Pisces, so I go with the flow. And so I live in a household with an incredibly sober man. So I'm like, all right, I'll go with that. Uh <laughs> like I also always felt like I, I knew for myself I needed to Stop, like, just, like, drinking wine when I wanted and all of those things because I, you know, am the son of an alcoholic and um, have seen firsthand how that can affect a person. And so I always knew that I had to back off of that and just given its relationship. I mean, honestly, that's even where astrology comes into play for me too because the relationship that that my Neptune has with my Mercury, which, you know, I really want to be writing and communicating. So uh, I was easily either like my my Neptune was like, or my Mercury was like directly affected by how I handled my Neptune. So I have already found for myself like that. By taking the time I would have spent, you know, drinking half a bottle of wine, and now turning that time to like spending it in some sort of spiritual practice, that has helped me to connect more to my work as a writer and even make that more of a, I mean, now that's a complete spiritual practice for me as well. Um, it feels divine doing that kind of creative work now so uh that's been really helpful
1: yeah and it's so personal you know like i'm not sitting here saying like like i just know for me you know like i i can't smoke pot again because i i can just see like if i were to just like take one hit i would probably like be right back into my everyday sort of way and i've worked so hard and had so much spirit help to kind of liberate myself from that yeah so but that's just me you know like i know there's a lot of other people that have very healthy very moderate relationships with substances and like my hat's off to you and like i wish i could be you but that's just like not how i'm hardwired but i will just say that like my spiritual practice the magic i was able to do the healing work that i could facilitate like i just could only go so far still using and that my sacrifice was in a lot of ways an initiation and my willingness to say like okay I'm not going to do this thing which in a lot of ways was kind of like a childish thing because I started smoking pot in college anyways and it was like this is a sacrifice I can make that's kind of initiating me into spiritual adulthood yeah. so that I can take the next step into what my path is and I think with you too in terms of your creativity like when you stopped drinking it was an initiation for you to say like I'm gonna commit completely to the expression of these stories that are more important than than not expressing these stories totally which it's so much harder anyways you guys like it takes so much more energy i think to keep it all stuffed inside than to just finally surrender to letting it all out
0: yeah yeah so i think if anything this is this conversation is really just an invitation for you if you've if it at all either if you are dealing on some level with an addiction or have wondered whether oh is this borderline addiction or am i in that space um it's an invitation for you to really just like reconsider it and i i know that we have um listeners who are also you know like in sobriety from certain things so hopefully too you just felt some connection to what we were saying yeah we were and i think about
1: i think we'll totally do like a part two well
0: it'd be nice to like have someone who is much more of a expert in it to talk about it with right yeah totally. <laughs> that would be a really great conversation i would love to have that
1: yeah likewise but it
0: was nice to be reminded of tracy mcmillan so i i even want to go back and listen re-listen to that conversation i mean she was actually my biggest inspiration i remember in my late 30s having a like coffee with her and how she told me how like at 40 years old she was just like woke up that day when she turned 40 and was like I have to like become sober now like I have to quit drinking like I'm unhappy with my life and that's the only way I'm gonna like find the life that I know I was meant to live Hmm. and then she became a professional writer after that like she really like started like had a real second act she bloomed after it and so I remember hearing her say those words to me and I was like oh I'm on that journey like I'm I'm also that. Like, I have to do the same thing. uh So I fought it a little bit after I turned forty. it Took me a couple. <laughs> it took me. I was some stops and it starts. It just took you two years after. That's not bad. Some stops and starts. That's not but, bad. Uh, I was a weaner. I had to wean down. But uh I was very inspired by her.
1: And for me, I just had to go cold turkey. Yeah. Because you are a cold turkey. Okay. All, All right. right. <laughs> In any event, please reach out to us. Um, Please let us know how this is resonating for you. And I hope that this just opened up some dialogue and conversation and maybe even some insight into whatever you might be struggling with. I know that, you know.
0: Or not struggling with. We we certainly also don't want anyone else to, like, feel shamed around their lifestyle or life. Because, again, we're saying, like, you know, some things for you aren't the issue. Like... I could smoke a joint and leave it alone for weeks.
1: She could. <laughs> she could. I would like be thinking about like when I would smoke the next joint. Like halfway through the joint, I was smoking. Right. It's just obsession, you know. That's it's obsession. Like, yeah. I mean, addiction is really just obsession with the thing that you think is saving you, but really, it's just keeping totally. you stuck.
0: That's a good word for it.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. Should we uh finish up with a quick little. Tarot card moment.
0: Yes, please.
1: All right, babies. So just take a moment. Connect to the cards by hearing the sound of them being shuffled. And just know that this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Mm, the Eight of Swords reversed you tell eight of swords is all about the evolution of the mind so eight of swords what we're actually looking at is somebody who is imprisoned they're like tied up and there's these eight swords surrounding them but funnily enough like there's a big gap in the swords and like the bandages are like pretty loose like they could escape if they wanted to but they're more comfortable staying stuck and so the eight of swords really i mean it's like a perfect segue to what we've been talking about is about the limitations of the mind that you've put on yourself like And when you pull the Eight of Swords, it's how you can evolve beyond those self-limiting beliefs, thinking that you're unable to do something. In a lot of ways, the Eight of Swords is like, oh my goddess, I never knew I could live my life this way. And in the reverse position, it would just say that like, this is available to you, but maybe you're really kind of resisting, um, acknowledging that you don't have to agree with everything that you think. And I would just encourage you in these, you know, next couple of, weeks as we're releasing and um, we still have that kind of eclipse portal helping us like what beliefs, what self-limiting beliefs and ideas and stories are you ready to let go of so that those invisible walls around you that you've built and tended to can be walked through and you can get to your bigger, better, more beautiful life. Pretty amazing, actually, the the synchronicity mm-hmm. of that. Old shit be gone. Yeah. Well, and it's like a new, more expansive story for your life. Mm-hmm. And and now that you see those self-limiting beliefs you can you can release them you can free yourself from them
0: yeah they have no power over you
1: got to see it to free it got to feel it to heal it got to know it to flow it <laughs> got to name it to claim it i could oh, keep going okay thanks so much for listening <laughs> gazers we're going to get out of here but we appreciate you more than words can express we really really do um we've got our 11 week astrology class coming up yes. what's it called it's called chart and soul the magic
0: of astrology
1: you are walter Mercado. Oh, i want to be and uh we would love to see you there it's going to be so fun and so healing and so amazing and as always we have our uh, you know um every other week breath work circles we've got our leo season webinar coming up Ooh. um so there are lots of ways to connect with us and uh you can find all that information on our website Uh, If you're so compelled, leave us a review, rate us five stars.
0: Yeah, tell us what you think of us. We love
1: you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. And as always, it's been a pleasure to take this transit with you through The The Spiritual Spiritual Game. Game.